Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So this is part two of a several-part series on alchemy, and this episode is about the Kabbalion, one of the most widely read and influential books on the study of Hermeticism. The Kabbalion also happens to be my favorite book on alchemy. And if you remember from the last episode, Hermeticism and alchemy are one and the same. And so I will use these terms interchangeably throughout this and future episodes. With that being said, if you haven't heard part one, I suggest you do that first as it'll give you more insight into the ideas and philosophies being discussed. So anyway, one fact I must note about the Kabbalion is that there's a lot of mystery surrounding its origins. The Kabbalion was originally published in 1908 by three anonymous authors who called themselves the Three Initiates. And they claim that this information contained in the book is the essence of the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus. So One of the most influential books on the ancient practice of alchemy is not an old book like the Bible or Quran. Instead, it's basically a modern book written a little over a hundred years ago. This is because most of the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus were never formally written down. Instead, his ideas, philosophies, and truths were passed down verbally in secret from teacher to student for thousands of years. And the three initiates claimed to be students of these hermetic teachings who felt the time was right to transfer these unpublished ideas to text so that others may benefit. So basically, the origin of the Kabbalion is a stereotypical story of cryptic information being secretly passed down from teacher to student for thousands of years in order to avoid persecution. And just when the information was on the verge of being lost forever... Three anonymous students come forward and publish this valuable information. And look, I'm not going to lie. Hearing this origin story brings out some conflicting thoughts. On one hand, this origin story brings out a lot of skepticism. Believe it or not, I'm actually, I actually have a skeptical side when it comes to, let's call it, the supernatural. Things like spirituality, mysticism, magic, and the ideas of hidden secret knowledge and so some of that comes, some of my skepticism comes from my religious upbringing. Some of it comes from my background in science and the fact that there is little to no proof about the supernatural. And some of it comes from all the charlatans and wannabe gurus that these subjects attract. And maybe even some of it comes from seeing one too many movies about mystical topics, which makes, which makes it feel like these ideas are just fantasy, that they are works of fiction, products of a creative mind that have nothing to do with the real world. In fact, I was really skeptical about four years ago when I had my first psychedelic experience with ayahuasca. After doing just a couple, after doing a couple ceremonies, my perspective did a complete 180 degree shift and a whole new world of possibilities opened up and suddenly the world of the supernatural became not only much more believable, it also started to feel very real. But despite having these perspective changing experiences, some of that skepticism still resides. So when I hear about the origins of this book, there's a part of me that wants to believe it's all nonsense, that it's a fun story used to sell more books. On the other hand, 
knowing the world we live in, could there really be any other way for the information contained in this in this book to survive the, you know to survive the, the test of time? I mean, if you've been paying attention to the nature of our reality, then you know that over the course of human history, many battles have been fought and many lives have been lost over information because whoever controls the information controls the world. And we, and we know that history has been and still is written by the victors, which means the winners of these battles have always controlled the information. This is why our history books are typically one-sided accounts full of half-truths and exaggerations. Take the Crusades, for example, which was a series of religious wars led by the Catholic Church with the purpose of not only recovering holy land from Islamic rule, but also to combat paganism and heresy. So basically, it comes down to this. If you had any ideas, philosophies, customs, or beliefs that were different from the Catholic Church, you were either destroyed or forced to convert your belief system. And once the church conquered a new territory or took over another group, it became the new authority. And with this newly gained authoritarian power came the ability to control the information. And once they had control of the information, they were able to rewrite the narrative as they saw fit. During this time, the church either destroyed or suppressed any information that, that either con- contradicted their narrative or posed a threat to their authority. Or what about the Spanish conquest of the Americas, which destroyed the advanced ancient civilizations of both the Maya and the Aztecs? Much like the Crusades, the main goal of the Spanish conquest was to spread information in the form of Catholicism to the New World. It makes you wonder how much valuable information was destroyed during this conquest. So this leads into a good example of of the victors rewriting the narrative. So in 1942, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> if, if you're my age or older, then you were taught that Columbus was an Italian explorer who discovered America and created Thanksgiving or something like that. We were taught that Columbus was a hero and he even got his own federal holiday. Well, it's only been in the last three to five years or so that the real story of Columbus has started to surface. And this the real story has surfaced thanks to the internet, which is one of the beautiful things about the internet, right? Is it makes the suppression of information almost impossible. Anyway, the real story of Columbus is that Columbus basically led that initial voyage of the Spanish conquest of, of the Americas. And, Col- and Columbus first landed not in North America, but in the Caribbean, where he and his crew murdered, raped, enslaved, and abused the native people. In addition, he and the conquistadors destroyed massive amounts of native land to create tobacco, sugar, and cotton plantations. And if that's not bad enough, he basically started the transatlantic slave trade. So the real story of Christopher Columbus was anything but the mild manner, explorer, adventurer we were, we were led to believe he was. This is why, if you didn't know, there's now a push to sell, to no longer celebrate Columbus Day and instead call it Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, so the point 
is that the story of the Catholic Crusades or Christopher Columbus are just a couple examples of the victors or ruling class controlling the information and using it to spin a certain narrative. And even today, we see our information is being controlled and censored by not only governments and churches, but also industries like big oil, big pharma, Wall Street, and social media. And according to the author Tom Clancy, The control of information is something the elite always does, particularly particularly in a despotic form of government. Information, knowledge, is power. If you can control the information, you can control people. And that's just it. The elite, the ruling class, the victors, whatever you want to call them, uh, they control the information for one reason and one reason only, and that's to control the people. It's a simple numbers game. There are way more common folk than there are rulers or elites. And the only way for the few to control the many is to influence their behaviors, thoughts, actions through the use of selective information. The main goal of the ruling class is to make us common folk believe that we can't operate without their help, that we need them in order to live, survive, or to reach enlightenment. So when you have ideas like you find in Gnosticism or alchemy that present a different narrative and talk about the importance of personal growth, personal knowledge, and promoting the idea that everything you need to reach enlightenment is is within you, these ideas are a threat to the ruling class, to the elite, to the government, or to the religions who control the masses. The biggest threats to the elite or ruling class is and always will be personal power and access to to information. So knowing that the only way to control people is to control their to control the information makes me now realize that the ideas and knowledge found in something like alchemy could only survive the test of time by operating in secret. The ideas found in alchemy or hermeticism contradict the information and narratives of the ruling class, particularly the Catholic Church. This is why alchemists have always operated in secret or presented their information in coded form using metaphors or analogy analogies. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the origin of the Kabbalion seems much more plausible once I look a little deeper. So uh, anyway, kind of got a little sidetracked there. So let's get back to the Kabbalion. The Kabbalion is based upon the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus, and and it contains universal truths or cosmic laws. This, This book infers that the only way to reach our highest potential and to understand our reality is to first understand and apply the principles contained in this book. Another interesting claim the Kabbalion makes is that this book will only appear on your radar screen once you are ready to hear and learn the truth. Here are a few quotes from the book that drive this point home. Where fall the footsteps of the master, the ears of those ready for his teachings open wide. When the ears of the student are ready to hear, then cometh the lips to fill them with wisdom. The lips of wisdom are closed except to the ears of understanding. And if you are a true student, you will be able to work out and apply these principles. If not, then you must develop yourself into one. For otherwise, the hermetic teachings will be as words, words, words to you. 
So the main focus of the Kabbalion is to discuss seven principles or universal laws upon which the entire hermetic philosophy is based on. So the principles, according to the Kabbalion, the principles of truth are seven. He who knows these understanding, he who knows these understandingly possesses the magic key before those before whose touch all doors of the temple fly open. So the Seven hermetic principles are the principle of mentalism, number two, the principle of correspondence, number three, the principle of vibration, number four, the principle of polarity, number five, the principle of rhythm, number six, the principle of cause and effect, and number seven, the principle of gender. So in future episodes, I'm going to break down each principle in great detail. But for now, I'm going to do a brief overview of each principle. And parts of this brief overview were taken directly from the overview section of the book. So principle number one, the principle of mentalism. The all is mind. The universe is mental. The Kabbalion. So the principle of mentalism embodies the idea that all is mind and the all can be thought of as the creator spirit or even god which in itself is unknowable and undefinable but which may be considered and thought of as an universal infinite living mind the principle this principle implies that everything that happens has to be a result of a mental state which precedes it for anything to exist Thoughts had to form first. Thoughts then go on to form physical reality. And this is probably one of the harder concepts to grasp because it deals with the idea of a creator. However, once you're able to accept and look past the idea of a creator, you can quickly realize that this is one of the most important laws of them all. And I will do my best to go into much go into this law or this principle in much more detail in the next episode. So Number two, the principle of correspondence. As above, so below. As below, so above. The Kabbalion. So we've heard this one before, right? I've talked about this in the last few episodes. So the principle of correspondence expresses the idea that there's, that there's always correspondence between the various planes of existence. As above, so below. As below, so above. This principle states that there is a harmony which can be made agreement and correspondence between these planes delineated as the great physical plane, the great mental plane, and the great spiritual plane. See, one of the more interesting ideas of this principle is how it relates to the first principle. Principle one states that our universe is simply a mental creation of the all. Well, as above, so below. This means that our own reality is simply a mental creation of our own mind. Principle number three, the principle of vibration. Nothing rests. Everything moves. Everything vibrates. The Kabbalion. This principle embodies the truth that everything is in motion. Everything vibrates. Nothing is at rest. Interesting, eno- interesting enough, this, is, this idea has been endorsed by modern science as fact, right? And this principle explains that the difference between Different manifestations of matter, energy, mind, and even spirit result largely from varying rates of vibration. From the all, which is pure spirit, down to the grossest form of matter, everything is in vibration. The higher the vibration, the higher the position in the scale. 
The vibration of spirit is, is at such an infinite rate of intensity and rapidity that it is practically at rest, just as a rapidly moving will seems to be motionless. And at the other end of the scale, there are gross forms of matter whose vibrations are so low as to seem at rest. Between these poles, there are millions upon millions of varying degrees of vibration. Understanding of this principle allows students of alchemy to perform mental transmutations. Mental transmutation is the process of changing your reality by changing your mental state. See, our reality is based on our mind, and we know this from principle one. All is mind. So changing your mental state is nothing more than changing your mental vibrations. And you can change your mental vibrations by changing your awareness. And the way you change your awareness is to begin focusing on different aspects of reality. Another way to think about this is a new awareness gives you a different perspective. And this new perspective changes the way you perceive and understand your life. So this new awareness changes your mental vibrations, which then changes your mental, sp- your mental state, thus changing your reality. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense because this law, this concept is a big one. It's very important. So number four, the principle of polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has its poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but differ, but but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. The Kabbalion. So this principle embodies the truth that everything is dual. Everything has two poles. Everything has its pair of opposites, all of which were old hermetic axioms. The principle teaches us that opposites are the same, differing only in degree. It explains that that in everything there are two poles or opposite aspects and that opposites are really only two extremes of the same thing with many varying degrees between them. To illustrate this, uh, heat and cold, although opposites, are really the same thing. The difference consists merely of degrees of the same thing. Look at your thermometer and see if you can discover where heat terminates and cold begins. There is no such thing as absolute heat or absolute cold. The two, the two terms, heat and cold, are simply simply indicate varying degrees of the same thing. And that same thing, which manifests as heat and cold, is merely a form, variety, and rate of vibration. So heat and cold are nothing more than opposite ends of the spectrum we call heat. Other examples are light and dark, sharp and dull, high and low, positive and negative. And the list is endless. All opposites are really the same thing. The only difference being perspective and level of vibration. Let us take a radical and extreme example of love and hate, right? Two mental state, two mental states apparently totally different. And yet there are degrees of hate and degrees of love and a middle point in which we use the terms like or dislike, which which then shade into other, which would shade into each other so gradually that sometimes we're at a loss to know whether we like or dislike or neither. And all are simply, simply degrees of the same thing. 
and what is considered to be the most important, uh, what is considered to be most important by Hermeticists is that this principle states that it is possible to change the vibrations of hate into the vibrations of love in one's own mind and the minds of others. And all you have to do is focus your awareness on the end of the spectrum you want to move towards, which basically means changing your perspective and awareness. So number five, the principle of rhythm. Everything flows in and out. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates the Kabbalion. So the principle of rhythm expresses the idea that in everything there is a frequency, a measured motion, a to and from, a flow and inflow, a swing backwards and forwards, a pendulum-like movement. There is, there is rhythm between every pair of opposites or poles, which means the principle of rhythm is closely related to the principle of polarity. The, the principle of polarity, which we just discussed, states that opposites are the same. Well, according to the principle of rhythm, our life experience is also based on a natural motion between the opposite poles. What goes up must come down. Understanding this principle allows us to more easily ride these waves so that we can better handle life's ups and downs. Number six, principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. The Kabbalion. This principle embodies the fact that there is a cause for every effect and effect from every cause. This also means that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. In other words, everything that has ever happened in your life is a direct result of a previous action, which which was itself a result of another previous action. And this process continues all the way back to the beginning of time. The hard pill to swallow is that if this law is true, then it means that nothing merely ever happens, that there is no such thing as chance. However, the hermeticists understand that there is a method of rising above the ordinary plane of cause and effect to a certain degree, and by mentally rising to a higher plane, they become causers instead of effects. Understanding this law is like unplugging from the matrix. While it may be true that there is no such thing as chance, we still have a choice. We can choose to either make something happen or to let it happen. Remember, something is going to happen to you either way. Nothing ever stands still. Everything is vibrating, right? So, so that's just it. This law teaches you to take action, to make your life happen instead of allowing life to just happen to you. Number seven, the principle of gender. Gender isn't everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. The Kabbalion. The principle of gender embodies the idea that gender is manifest in everything. Now, this is an interesting law because the word gender all by itself can, be, can definitely be a trigger word. 
But this book makes clear that gender does not refer to someone's physical sex, nor does it suggest that someone of a certain sex necessarily has a matching mental gender. Instead, what is meant by gender is the concept of masculine and feminine principles. Like we learned with the law of polarity, the masculine and feminine are the same thing, just expressed as different vibrations. They are opposite ends of a spectrum. They are two sides of the same coin. They are equal and opposite. The idea is that everything, that in everything, every person, dog, cat, plant, rock, and even every thought has both masculine and feminine qualities associated with it. So the goal is to bring these energies, to bring these qualities in balance within yourself. The ends of any spectrum are always extreme, which means too much masculine is just as bad as too much feminine. In order to reach your highest potential, you must bring your gender in energies into balance. And that balance is different for everyone. We each have our own unique balance. However, so well, the reality, however, is that instead of being in balance, in a balanced gender state, most people are completely out of whack. And as a result, the masculine and feminine qualities of our society have gotten so bad that instead of these energies being balanced, they have begun to fight and oppose each other. I mean, how crazy is that? We have become so disconnected from our true nature that our masculine and feminine energies are now at war with each other. It's insane. And this is a big reason why our society has so many problems. It's a big reason why our society is on the verge of collapse. Principle 7 may be the lowest law, but it's also a foundational law because it is impossible to grow, to learn, or to change your awareness for the better without having your masculine and feminine qualities in a harmonic state. So there you have it. That's the seven hermetic principles in a nutshell. Of course, the deeper you go into each principle, the more information you find. So that is my plan, to break down each principle in in, in greater detail for, for future episodes. So it's time to go deep into the philosophy of hermeticism. See you on the other side.